Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I have an interview with Dr. Jeff Williams, who is also a podcaster, and I've been on his podcast, and it's a great podcast, a lot of uh, very good information, and he's got an amazing voice, as you'll hear. He's, he's Texas through and through, and uh, it comes out, and he's just a, a great conversation, a lot of good insights, has private practice, and we really dive into what it takes to build and maintain a, an evidence-based chiropractor and stay on top of that, utilize that. Uh, in your clinical care, your marketing, separating yourself in the community, and really doing it the right way and having um, a practice that's sustainable, ethical, and just overall getting great results. And he's at the definitely cutting edge of research. His podcast does a great job of blending some of that with marketing, and that's called the Chiropractic Forward Podcast. And so definitely check that out. We have a great conversation, as we always do. Um, we're looking forward to someday being in the in the keys with Dr. Williams, and that's uh, not too far for me, and uh, it seems like a dream area for him. And we talk about a lot of things in practice. Uh, you know, him and I, He's he's been doing this a little bit longer than I have, but we've been doing it for 15 plus years. I know I have, and he's a little bit more than that. And you, you, you learn a lot, and there's a lot of strategies you want to make sure you have to keep the the fire burning and keep your uh, clinical skill set going really well and keeping up with that. And he does a good job of doing that, has plenty of resources to help you do that. And we dive into how to have a really good sustainable practice that is based on the evidence. Enjoy this episode with Dr. Jeff Williams. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome to the show, Jeff. I really appreciate your time and your, uh, you know, just the opportunity to have you come on the show and talk shop. It's always fun to chat with someone that is doing great things in the community, as far as your practice and educating your community, but also for the profession. So, uh, before we dive into the, the the fun conversations that I know we'll have, let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on, both personally and professionally, and we'll go from there. Well, uh, personally, I'm, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We actually went to preschool together. Oh, preschool sweetheart. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so we've been married 27 years. I don't, I don't remember the exact years. <laughs> uh, 24, I believe. There you go. And, uh, we, we won't got, let her, we, we won't have your wife listen to this episode. That's what, yeah, I had to do real quick math, but I think I'm, I nailed it. <laughs> But uh, we got two kids, one's at college in Texas Tech, down in Lubbock, Texas. It's only about an hour and a half from me. I'm in Amarillo, Texas. And then we've got a a junior high, seventh grade girl. Um, And during this pandemic time, she's still in person, in class, uh, with about a thousand other kids there in school every day. And they're doing pretty good. So um, that's just kind of the personal end of me. Like I said, i practice and live in Amarillo, Texas. So I've, uh, that's the big, it's in the panhandle. It's in the big square top part of Texas for anybody that doesn't know where Amarillo <laughs> is. So, um, most people don't have a reason to know exactly where Amarillo is, but uh, anyways, it's got a couple of country songs though, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I'm wrong about morning. Come on, everybody. All right. Good, good, good. Yeah. And uh, I've been here since, ooh, 1998, pretty much. Yeah. So I'm a a lifer, I guess. You're not a lifer, right? Like life grad. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm from, I graduated. Don't you lay that on me. No, I uh, graduated from Parker. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, down in Dallas. Perfect, perfect. And you, so you, um, where'd you go to undergrad? Well, that's that's kind of a story too. I started playing football at West Texas State, mm-hmm. which is now West Texas A and M, just south of Amarillo here. And then yep. they dropped the football program. I mean, I was a starter. Life was awesome. Yep. I was a roommate with my lifelong best friend. I was dating the college aerobics instructor. I mean, life was so good. And they dropped the football program, pulled the carpet right or the rug right out from underneath me, and and uh, so then I transferred down to Northwest Louisiana. Okay. Uh, and I was on the football team down there. And then I got in a car wreck that knocked me out of sports. So my, uh, my girlfriend and future wife mm-hmm. um, was going to University of North Texas in Denton. So I, I transferred over there and, um, and then on to Parker. So, okay. So you did leave Texas for a stretch. I did. And the best part of that is, is that at that time, the drinking age in Louisiana was still 18. <laughs> That's why you went. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I turned 21 was the year I'm, I moved back to Texas on the day of my 21st oh, birthday. And that, yeah. You've been that smart for a long time, it sounds like. Man, I was ahead of my time. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, you know, part of why I wanted to to definitely interview you is because um, you're you're doing great things in, in multiple aspects. You know, I always like to talk to people that are uh, in private practice, but then also uh, what I like to call kind of a, an indif- industry transformer in a sense and, and trying to really help uh, the profession as well. But uh, let's take it um, from the practice level right now. Explain to us a little bit about your, your practice currently, and then I want to really hear what you were able to do to grow it. I, that's something that um, I like talking to the docs that have been doing it for a little while, have, have uh, you know, you, you've spanned, kind of like even me, I'm, I'm out 16 years, and we, we started this thing before social media, and we're, we're trying to compete in the world of uh, online marketing as well. And, and we'll, uh, we'll dive into some of that. But how did you get going? Tell us a little about your practice and we'll go from there. Well, when I very first started, I, I worked for a guy and uh, that went for five years or so, then started okay. my own. And, and it's like you said, when you've been in it before social media, used to, you could run a yellow page ad, you could join the, the Lions Club or the Rotary and, and maybe run a, a newspaper ad. And that was really about all you had to do. And now, man, it's, they say that technology is supposed to make things easier, but when it comes to marketing, I, you know, I'm not so sure. It's made things uh, more confusing, more burdensome, I would, I would say. And so, you know, you, you do have to adapt with the times, and, and hopefully we've done that. Um, the, the great Dan Kennedy has a, a quote that I always um, held on to, is that you can't be simply a doer of what you do. You have to be a marketer of what you do. Um, and the, the names that we commonly associate with something aren't usually the best uh, product. It's They were just the best at getting their names out. Nobody thinks that McDonald's has the best hamburger, I hope. Yep. you know. But that's the name that we associate with because they were the best at getting their message out. So once I kind of made that that 
decision that yeah i mean if we're gonna if we're gonna grow this then we better uh, be a marketer of what we do um i really started becoming a student of marketing which i just got your new book good job oh thank good you good on you i love it so far i'm not through it all the way but anyways i decided to become uh, uh as much of a master at marketing as i was anything else mm -hmm. and but at the same time you've got to have the product as well you can't have uh, a kind of a garbage product and and market it confidently so it, so you got to be um, you got to have the product you got to be good at what you're doing on top of your game but you got to be good at marketing as well yeah. right yeah yeah and I think that's why it's it's challenging for a lot of chiropractors uh, you know it's it's easy when you're a neurosurgeon uh, you could literally have the worst personality on the planet and be very successful financially right <laughs> um yeah. and and it's just it lends itself to being able to uh, have high margin plenty of patients all that type of stuff and to the product as as a chiropractor is, is tricky because um you know we're we're facing um, problems as far as what people think of chiropractic historically. So you're, you're facing an uphill battle. That's, that's one thing I would say. From the get -go, uh, right? Yeah. Like right out of the gates, you're, 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 you're facing that credibility issue. So you got to overcome that. Uh, two, you have to be skilled and, and I, it's very hard to be skilled uh, as a, as a chiropractor early on there definitely are some but it's it's very challenging to be to be skilled uh, and then your communication skills have to be very good uh, those are I, I see a lot of when chiropractors come out with really good communication skills they tend to fast track it for sure um, so that's helpful and then there's like all kinds of myriad of things right for the product like you know your your practice what does it look like can you afford to have a nice office can you afford staff what's that patient experience like there's so many things to it and it, it can take time uh, what are your thoughts on on the product well you know my thing was and, and i, I kind of came at this a little bit later than most for the first 10 years or so of my career i was of a travel musician and part-time chiropractor. <laughs> uh, so I gave everybody else a head start, but um, I really feel like specialization in our community is the future of where we're going. So when, when I say specialization, I went out and, um, well, first I was, I was a big PI practice, personal injury there for a while. And so I wanted to do that as good as I could, I wanted to be the best in town. I didn't want anybody to be able to compete with me. So I went and uh, got training with Art Croft and, and got the uh, traumatology and biomechanics uh, whiplash course and did all that. Well, then yep. uh, later on, um, I think really through, uh, through being part of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance group, which you know very well, mm -hmm. um, just a really invaluable group, but you see them talking about things that are just, I mean, top level stuff. And I was like, yeah, well, we got more, more work to do. So I went and got a diplomat or fellowship in uh, orthopedics, which- Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they changed the course now. It's called Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine, uh, yep. the International Academy. So, so yeah, I have a, a fellowship in that. And, and so just when we're talking about product, I really feel like 
specialization is, is where it is at for the future of chiropractic and for um, for new chiropractic doctors. I, I just feel like the, the model should be evidence-based, patient-centered chiropractors yep. that hopefully take their game uh, a step forward or a step further. And it doesn't have to be a fellowship or a diplomat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be certi- a sports certificate. Was it a CCSP or a CSCS? Yep or um, the functional movement systems and uh, McKinsey, I think you're big with the Motion Palpation Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it's at. These days, I think that people get out of school, if they're not actively pursuing those avenues, I, I think they're gonna be left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think if you can work on that. And then, you know, I look back, I graduated in 2005 and, uh, you know, I came out with ART and MPI trained and I took Graston right away, TPI. Like I was, I was definitely clinically based. And I think that's something uh, maybe some of the people that are newer to the podcast don't realize about me was that I was heavy into the clinical side of stuff. I had some really good opportunities uh, to, to fine tune that. And that's really, I was, I was, you know, strong into that. Like that's my, that was my whole life. And I worked for someone or was in a partnership for the first five years. So I was able to really hone in the clinical. Uh, but at the same time, I was, uh, I would say I was batteries included and I was doing a ton of public speaking and community outreach stuff. I didn't have necessarily the traditional marketing chops, but I worked hard and got out there and knew a lot of people. And, and that helped build my practice and then open it up in 2010. Uh, then the, the realities of owning a business hit me uh, and, and then marketing that as things were changing. You know, that 2010, 2011, 2012 timeframe was interesting because that's where, you know, you're starting to really get the online marketing and, and Google was hitting hard and websites were super important and, and all that. You really saw a lot of that transition and, and I, uh, I dove headstrong into the marketing, but I had already laid the foundation clinically and kept on improving there where I think the docs now have a great opportunity is you can do it concurrently where you can be really clinically minded but you can also start working on your marketing and business side of things. Do you agree with that statement? Absolutely. I, I know that uh, uh, a lot of the kids coming out of college these days, they've already got some of these certifications. You know, it, yes. When I was going through it. We didn't have all that stuff, but uh, and you know, something that came to mind to me while you were talking was that um, I saw a survey recently, mm-hmm. and I don't remember, I think it was from the primary um, spinal practitioner program that's University of Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it's Donald Murphy. Okay. Um, I saw a, a speech by him, and, and, and I wish I could tell you exactly where it came from, but they, there was a survey, a nationwide survey of why people go to the chiropractor. And overwhelmingly, it was to be treated for pain. Mm-hmm. That and only like, I think it was, I hope I'm not wrong here, but I feel like it was like only 2% actually went to chiropractors to talk about things like wellness yeah. or um, innate or come and see me a million times, you know? And, and then we also know that low back is the leading cause of disability worldwide. So if everybody goes to the chiropractor for pain, and we know pain is such a big issue, 
then uh, for me, when you're getting into specializations like CCSP, CSCS, you know, these fellowships and all that, then uh, again, it just it kind of bolsters my claim that, that that's the future of chiropractic. Yeah, definitely. Pain is a pain point, right? And when they right. talk about marketing, they talk about finding the consumer's pain point, and and that's definitely one. And that's you know, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned wellness, and that's obviously uh, common. And it's I, I find it also the same thing with a lot of the evidence-based docs out there that are big into movement, right? And and mm-hmm. you mentioned FMS and things of that nature. And there's a strong uh, we'll call it movement towards movement, right? And um, and that's fine. But I, I try to explain to that chiropractor that selling the community on movement is a tougher sell. Uh, yes, you're going to find chiropractors that are doing it and have done that, but they need to know that if that's going to be your messaging is all about mobility and movement and how that's the key, which I don't necessarily disagree or anything, but you're going to have to do a really good job of compelling enough community members to come into your practice based on movement and mobility uh, versus pain. And, it, and it, you know, if, if you come at it from a, a pain perspective or a condition or a diagnosis perspective and, and you attract them into your clinic, then you could probably do a really good job of uh, if you can do that, of communicating, you got to work on it, communicating the importance of movement and mobility, and then there'll be a, uh, a lifer for you, right? Like they'll, they'll definitely buy in, they'll understand why, uh, you know, performance care and mobility and movement, stuff like that is, is very beneficial, but uh, movement just like wellness can be a tough sell. Yeah. Getting them, I mean, you get them in with the pain, you keep yep. them with movement and coaching and authority and mentorship and, and, and things of that nature. But yeah, it's, it, it's a tough sell. When I first expanded my office, we got about 4,000 square feet now. Mm-hmm. And we have a big rehab room, enough room that we, we thought, hey, let's have yoga classes. Yep. Now, you know, Amarillo, we're very, very conservative in this part of the country yeah. and, and not very hippy-dippy. Now, I'm not saying yoga is hippy-dippy. But, <laughs> But to some, they they would uh, see it as that, you know. And yeah. so, I'm telling you, man, getting people to exercise and 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 really making movement a focus, I think, at least in some areas of the country, mine included, you're right. That's an absolutely tough sell. It is, and it definitely can be done. I think there's great models out there, like clinic gym hybrid stuff. Uh, yeah. all, all you know, a lot of docs doing really well. But just you got to get super, super clear and consistent with your messaging for sure. So cool. Um, so it, what was like, if you had to boil it down, I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but what were a couple of the main thing, other than being a great chiropractor, but what were a couple of main things you did to really take your practice from infancy to one day saying, wow, I got a, I got a bustling practice like this is this is growing you're able to go into 4,000 square feet Uh, those are things that not every chiropractor accomplishes so what were a couple things that you really did to make that happen oh man that's a great question it's hard to boil something down into that uh, into just a couple of little building blocks because honestly you know how marketing is you've got internal marketing you've got external marketing I think the biggest thing I did uh, 
in the very big, I was already doing well with personal injury. So yep. I think by, by really marketing um, attorneys in the early days, that made a huge, huge difference. But like to transition from, at one point, I really felt like attorneys' names should be over my door and not necessarily mine. I didn't feel like a, in the early days that I really ran my own practice. And, yeah, and it did not settle well with me. So I started trying to use personal injury money to market and transition my practice into an overall mm -hmm. um, general practice. And and uh, you know, PI would just kind of cherry on the top, but it would be um, for everybody basically. Yeah. And so I, I think marketing PI in the beginning uh, was was key to me. Uh, but as as we went on, I think you know, like I said, there's external, uh, there's internal marketing, and and there's it's like a spider web, and and I really just started understanding that. I started marketing marketing internally with uh, email lists and, and communicating with them once a week, um, you know, patient referrals, asking for reviews. I had. I was number one on Google mm -hmm. for chiropractic searches on the That's website. That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was something I did my, myself because back in the early days, I didn't have a lot of money to yeah. uh, market that. But um, yeah, so that, and then uh, we started doing some TV here and there. I'm not sure how much of a difference that made, but I'm just saying that as an example. We were marketing. We marketed yeah. a lot. And if you constantly finding reasons to talk uh, <laughs> you know then then uh, it's a numbers game the more you're talking the more people get to hear let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor propel marketing and design i've known darcy sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites i don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization there's so much to it and she does a great job if you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base, right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like 
we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and ChiroUp really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans and see what they're all about. First time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code Christy15. That's Christy15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to touch on a couple of things. One, you mentioned the personal injury. Uh, you know, in in a lot of states, there's so much more margin with the personal injury that it can definitely help you. You know, that's obviously one of the struggles in today's chiropractic is there's no margin in, in network insurance. So it becomes a, a numbers game in a lot of ways. Uh, plenty of chiropractors are doing great things being in network. Uh, but like in the state of Florida, auto accident, it's just, it pays so well. And so I don't want an auto injury practice per se, and nothing wrong with it if you do it the right way, but I definitely want like three to five new auto cases a month in my practice because then it allows me to reinvest some of that margin into having the sports chiropractic with all the bells and whistles and, you know, the extra office space and the cryosauna, like have all that stuff. Like if you, if you took away the PI money for my practice, I'd have to really tighten the belt a little bit and not necessarily have the dream practice that I'd like to have. And so, um, you know, you may consider to look at some of those avenues that are, that have a little bit more margin, uh, you know, do a, a good enough job in there to where you can um, utilize that for other things or obviously some marketing dollars, right? Well, it's like the way I looked at it, at, at personal injuries, you know, for some of these cases, you don't get paid for a year, maybe two years. Yeah. Because some of the attorneys, they're, one of their strategies is to drag it out as long as possible so that the, the adjuster finally says, fine, whatever, you know, they <laughs> use time as an advantage, you know. So, yeah. so sometimes you don't get paid in, uh, for a year or two. But the way I looked at it was if I can pack that pipeline up and to where I'm getting checks every single week, every single month, even though I might be getting paid from what I work I did a year or two years ago, then um, so what? It's kind of like a forced savings account. And, it, and, and I'm okay with that. It's not like the money's not coming in. It's not going anywhere. And, you know, a lot of people don't do it because they've got to deal with attorneys. And I'd be lying if I said that I love cutting my bill and I love negotiating. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that stuff. I can yeah. help it. But that's part of it. And, and when you get into PI, you're going to make uh, a good amount of money. You're going to you're going to leave a good amount of money on the table. So if, if you think you've got to collect 100 percent of everything you ever do, uh, then PI is not for you. But yep. if you if you understand the game and, and I hate to call it a game because at the end of the day, it's patient care and patients should come first. But you get what I mean. I mean, it's it is when dealing with attorneys, it is a bit of a game. Yeah. And um, so, you know, if you're okay with it, you know what it is, uh, and, and, you know, you jump in with both feet and it's a, it's a game worth playing, or at least uh -huh. it has been for, for me. There was, there, you know, before COVID, we'd see 12, 15 new PIs a month. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and you know, that, that turns into pretty good, pretty good month.
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we definitely had a drop off as well, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, P, you know, looking to PI for those that are out there, there's a lot of good information on it. I, I get that question every so often. I would say there's a lot of state-based stuff you need to figure out probably before anything else other than the, you know, definitely it's good to understand the clinical aspects of personal injury and some of the different things you're going to see, but you're going to have to really dive into the state aspects. Like in Florida, we're personal injury protection for 10,000. So we get paid pretty well from the insurance and it goes into kind of a, a letter of protection type of situation. So uh, check into that. A lot of different things. It'd be hard to have. I'd have to have 50 different episodes on PI if we dove into that type of stuff. (laughs) Definitely. So, um, all right, cool. So built up the practice, a lot of the different ways. It's very consistent. I think that's something I can say about you is you're consistent. And part of being that part of consistency is also um, what you're doing for chiropractors and in particular, your, your podcast, uh, explain to our podcast, explain to our audience a little bit about your podcast. Well, um, part of getting the website to number one, mm-hmm. I was just kind of on my own was, and you're great at this was content and yeah. generating content. So, uh, when we first kind of identified, hey, you, you got to have content, you got to do it all the time on your website. I was like, okay, what am I going to So, I, I used to blog on stuff like uh, the difference between white and wheat bread or high heels or, you know, something, whatever uh, caught my interest. But it wasn't focused, it was kind of like a shotgun approach. Yep. And then I came across some chiropractic research and I don't remember what paper it was. It really struck my interest. And I thought, golly, that's, that's something people should know. And so I, uh, I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to write a blog on that. And, and I enjoyed that so much that I, I went looking for more research. And, okay. and so in the beginning, it was to educate my patients yep. through my blog on my website. And so the way I did it was I thought, well, let's research is boring it, it, for a lot of it is. Um, and it reads uh, very difficult and most people just don't understand it. So, so let's try to use a little bit of personality. Let's say, uh, let's break it into four parts, why they did it, how they did it, what they found, and then like a short wrap up uh, of a paper. So, that was kind of my format and it worked really well. And I got a lot of good response from it. Well, after a couple of years of doing that, my website company came and said to me, and this was after I finally got one. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, you know, your blog is, it's too uh, brainy. It's, it, it's over everybody's head. You need yep. to dumb it down. I was like, well, that sucks because I've been doing it for years and it's just kind of naturally how I did it. Um, yeah. So, so then I thought, well, let's just, okay, let me write one uh, dumbed down version for my website. Let me turn this, uh, what I'm used to doing and what I love doing, let's turn that into a podcast and we'll use it to not educate patients, but we'll use it to educate fellow chiropractors. Mm-hmm. And, so this started three years ago. In fact, I recorded my three-year anniversary episode just this week. So, oh, congratulations. Yeah, three years. Hadn't missed a week yet. But uh, um, so now I kind of, so for everybody, it's called the Chiropractic Forward yep. podcast. And so really what I look at it now is it's part education for, for chiropractors that chiropractors can then turn around and educate their patients on. So it's part education. It's part 
marketing. Uh, I've got episodes on marketing. If you're smart, you can use some of the nuggets from the research to turn around and create content for blogs and, and patient education. So I look at it as part marketing and I look at it as, as part mentorship uh, pretty much because I, I always start each episode with a little bit of personal happenings. What's going on in my personal life? What's going on in my practice? Um, what challenges am I meeting that week? And, and what challenges uh, have I overcome? How, you know, what did I do to overcome those challenges? So I, I, I think that's kind of the way it breaks down for me. Part education, part marketing, and, and part mentorship. And no, hopefully, yeah. hopefully with some, at, some, some good, uh, not attitude, uh, some entertainment value. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I get a lot of chiropractors ask about, they don't know what type of topics to write about or shoot videos on or post about, email about, whatever it is. And, you know, research is, is a great thing to, to distill out, right? You know, take the complicated research, highlight that. It gives you a little bit of, I shouldn't say a little bit, it gives, it gives your blog credibility. And then break it down into kind of a story or an example or at least to a level where a patient can understand that and say, oh, this doctor really knows the re- the science behind Achilles tendinopathy or cervical whiplash or whatever. Use that research to really support your blogs. And it's amazing what kind of content you can create from that. Well, you'll never run out of content. That's, exactly. that's the best part of it. I mean, these researchers are keeping me in business for, man, I started blogging on research back in 2007. Yeah. So for 13 years, they've been keeping me in business. You never, ever run out. And one thing I've always said is when we're communicating through the research, using the research, then what we're really conveying, yeah, we're educating, but we're also conveying knowledge and authority. And that's a big deal because people want to do business with people that they like and they know and they trust. Mm-hmm. So if you're sharing a little bit of your personal experiences, people get to know you. But when you're talking through research, then you're building authority and you're building trust factor, which is a key part of why people do business with you. And to circle back around what we mentioned earlier is that we are uh, unfortunately fighting an uphill battle with some of the uh, misconceived or, you know, some of the perceptions out there uh, where you know, chiropractors are whatever, you know, we, we know all the whole, the whole story. So if you actually start creating content that is providing facts and research, people will start to realize like, okay, this is the type of chiropractor that I want to go to. Uh, this makes sense to me. And they're, and they're utilizing uh, evidence to, to do that. So I think it can help you start to, um, overcome some of that. That was one of the things that I remember I hit a point in my career where I, I had um, overcome the negativity of the profession at a certain point and people tended to reference me. He's like, oh, he's a different type of chiropractor. You he, know? He's not that kind of chiropractor. Exactly. And once you can get a lot of people saying that about you, then you're, you're going to uh, really have quite a tribe and following. So I think research helps do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Set yourself apart is what yep. you do. And and that's what all marketing should do is set yourself apart from your competition. Mm-hmm. Why should you do business with me above and beyond everybody else around me mm-hmm. in my profession? And, and, and so for me, using research sets 
me apart from others. And also, I mean, it serves a dual purpose. When we're speaking research, we're speaking the language of the medical field. That's yep. the language they use. So if you want referrals from the golden cow, which is the medical doctors, if you want referrals from them, you better be speaking their language. And research is definitely that. Definitely, definitely. So I want to kind of wrap up with one question. And uh, I've been asking this a little bit more of people that I talk to in the profession. Obviously, 2020 has been a challenging year, even those, you know, there's been enough chiropractors that are actually flourishing and that's great. But even those chiropractors would admit it's been a challenging year. I think it just overall, right. Um, but what, what are you excited about clinically or in your practice for 2021? You know, man, <laughs> that's, it's a, that's a loaded that's question. A, that's a big question. I, uh, you know, I'm not one of these that, that are hung up on. I'll be I'll be most excited about not wearing a mask or you yeah. know any of that stuff. I, uh, I don't mind wearing a mask. I don't do it. What I miss is I just uh, you know I'm a bit of a hugger sometimes. I, I miss um, these patients that come in that I, I care so much about. I miss the social aspect. I'm, I'm, yeah. I hate that there's there's not a distrust, you know, but there's always that separation because you, do you have it? I don't know. Does he have it? I don't think so. But, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, know there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's that aspect. Um, I'm right now we're in a good spot as far as we're paying the bills. I'm not, I'm not going without, uh, but you know, it just doesn't, we're not getting anywhere. I like constant progress. I like growth. I like working on something and seeing, the benefits, seeing the fruits of, of the seeds you, you sow, the seeds you sow, yeah. um, you know, and, and right now it just feels like everything's in a holding pattern and, and there's no real progress. I'm not really profiting. We're just paying the bills and, yeah. and staying alive and keeping our employees, families fed, and keeping them all happy. But it's, but it's kind of like, uh, everything's just static. And I'm, I, I, so I guess I'm most looking forward to profiting again, and yeah, getting back to, to growth and, and, and that type of a deal. So let's take it a step further then. Let's say five years from now, what's uh, something you want to either add to your practice or uh, transform to really uh, that, that kind of next big thing that you'd like? That's easy. So I, I, you know, because I've talked to you about it. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I, we went to Key Largo in February <laughs> and we fell in love immediately. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, how do you get to where you're, you know, I'm 48. Yeah. So uh, in five years, I'm hoping that I'm looking at some sort of exit plan as far as day to day, uh, hands on practice. And so, you know, I think, you know, you have to figure out what you, I had a, a friend one day, he's in the oil field. He's multimillionaire. And he said, what's your exit number? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. He said, well, what number would you have to have for you to get out of your practice and live your life? And I never thought of things that way, but it's yeah. basically starting at the ending and working backwards. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do I have? What do I need to have? What do I have now? And, and what do we do? in the interim to make sure we get to that. So I started thinking about it differently. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, a lot of people want to work until they're 85 in their practice, you know, and that's not me. I, I'm, yeah. 
I'm a musician, a sculptor, an artist. You know, I I do all kinds of stuff. I got I got plans. Yeah, you know. So so uh, I'm hoping to add an associate. Um, I'm hoping to uh, potentially add a nurse practitioner uh, to a truly integrated um, feel here where we're we're uh, teammates inside my building, you know, with the yep. medical field. Uh, and I think that if, if I had those two um, key pieces in place, it, it hopefully would allow me to have a little more time to start controlling my time. You know, you mm -hmm. want to own your practice, not have your practice own you. Yeah, that's the mission I'm on. You know, I just turned 40 this year, earlier in the year. Uh, and I'm meeting with my financial planner actually in January coming up. Uh, this recording is in December and we're going to just lay out like, what does 50 years old look like? Right? Like, so for me, that's the 10 year mark from now. I, I look back on what I accomplished in 10 years from age 30 to 40 and it was pretty cool. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's because I was born in 1980 and, and doing 10 year chunks for me is great because it's, it falls in right. line with a decade. Right. Um, but, you know, age 20 to 30 was really educating myself, right? Like, obviously, finishing undergrad, chiropractic school, learn, still learning, kind of educating, getting my feet wet as a practitioner. And then age 30 to 40, you know, like, I did a lot of stuff. And it was, yeah. it was great. And um, I'm, I'm happy about that. I had some uh, stumbles along the way, for sure. Uh, but I'm just like, just like, what does 50 look like to where? for me it's it's the freedom thing that i'm always looking for and and not being tied uh, to something and so maybe i'll join you in key largo in 10 years there you go <laughs> you know that the, the biggest part of it is finding now we've got a good financial planner i think but yeah. the biggest part of it for me is trying to figure out how the hell to quit paying so much taxes oh Good yeah lord yeah, actually, if you haven't done it yet, check out Christine Odell's book. She's my business manager. And in the the actual subtitle of her book is great. It's uh, How to Make More by Making Less. And uh, it's kind of a little bit of a play on words. But, yeah, it's, it's sure. like how do you try to maximize your tax efficiency? <laughs> yeah, that's You were saying, what, you know, what do I want to be doing in the next five years? It's figuring out how to pay less taxes. Yeah. Well, at least you're in Texas and I'm in Florida. That's one, one way of doing it. Cause we, we don't got have some any bonuses. Yeah. We don't have sure, any state yeah. income tax, which is nice. So Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, you know, it's, it's been great chatting. I, I think you're, um, uh, I know you're a credit to the profession. I want the audience to make sure they check out your podcast. Uh, it's uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge. And like you said, there's three years of cataloged episodes in there. So, And can I add real quick, is that Please. If, somebody, if somebody goes to chiropracticforward.com mm -hmm. and let's say you don't know the research very well, you just yeah. don't really kind of, you're like, I'm interested, but I don't really know names of researchers or how. So do this, go to chiropracticforward.com click on the episodes link and there's a search bar there and you can search all 156 episodes for anything like uh, cervical radiculopathy, rotator cuff, um, low back, chronic back, whatever you're interested in. And so you're going to find a lot of research that is super interesting. Like I said, hopefully presented in an entertaining way, but I also don't shy away from tough conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty clear on where I'm at as far as being evidence-based 
patient-centered. I, I don't have a lot of tolerance for uh, the philosophy vitalist type of stuff. So I have tough conversations uh, yeah. that, that about the divide in our profession. Um, and, and, I, and I'm not afraid to shine a spotlight on it. So you, you'll get a lot of really great research. You'll get me fussing about, about the, the profession some, uh, but overall, I think it's pretty entertaining. And we got a pretty good crowd that comes back and listens to every episode. Absolutely. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think someone had mentioned you have some uh, clinical artwork as well. Not clinical, I don't think, but I, oh, are you talking about for sale on the site? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I've got evidence-based brochures. I yes, have, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things I wanted to uh, do was have evidence-based brochures when it comes yeah. to neck pain, when it, low back pain, preventative uh, treatment. And, you know, I said earlier, you know, nobody comes to us for wellness, but there's value mm-hmm. according to research in preventative care. So I've got some of that. And so, I, yeah, I've got evidence-based brochures. I've got uh, posters yep. uh, for sale and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. Someone gave you a shout out because, you know, historically it's been a lot of cheesy brochures out there, right? For, in chiropractic exactly. and, and even some of the, the posters, artwork, things like that. And someone gave a shout out and I was looking, I was like, Oh, this is some good stuff. So yeah, if, you, if you're looking for your practice, your patient education is so, so important. So they can get some of that information from your site as well. Is that the same website? Yep. Yep. You just go to the store link. It's chiropracticcord.com. Perfect. That's great. And so thanks again for your time today, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And I know uh, once live events are back in the profession, hopefully you and I can have a beer together again. Oh, it's going to happen. All right. Have a great one. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.